The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. Scripture reading for today is found in Isaiah chapter 52, beginning at verse 7. Again, it's Isaiah chapter 52, beginning at verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy, for eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. This is the word of the Lord. Each week leading into Christmas, we've been pondering these four Advent themes, reflective of the four Advent candles. Hope, the first candle, is the first week of Advent. We we thought about hope. Hope being the, the light of hoping God shining, penetrating into the darkness of our life and of our world. It's the hope that the Son of God has come to reign. For, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And then he will reign in a, in a certain kind of manner. His character will come through as a wonderful counselor, all wise and truthful, full of truth and wisdom. Mighty God, all-powerful God, everlasting Father, full of love and compassion for his people. And the Prince of Peace. And that pointed us to Advent Candle 2, Peace. And uh, the peace of Advent is this peace of God that flows over our alienation and our unrest. And it's the hope that He was, that the, the, upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Quoting from Pastor John's manuscript, he described peace in this beautiful way. Will you be able to drive over the Mississippi River ever again without thinking? That's like my peace. Here are his words God's peace is not a pond, it's a river. It flows from God to his loved ones. It flows into us by faith and overcomes the inner conflict of guilt and shame and anxiety with the forgiveness of sins. Inner peace. It flows out of us to others as the children of God become peacemakers. It's not static. It makes you a lover. Peace with others. And someday, it will flow fully into the natural world and, quoting from Romans 8, 21, creation itself will be set free from its conflict with man 
and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Now, this third Sunday, we're on joy. Next Sunday is, is love. I mean, these, these four themes are not, you know, they're just not just Christmassy words. They are words that summarize. I'll put it in. I mean, one of my favorite phrases of Paul to describe the gospel, you probably heard me say this, is he describes it as the unsearchable riches of Christ. So Christ is the treasure, and in him are these unsearchable riches. And I'm thinking that those four Advent candles represent some of the core jewels in the riches. Hope, peace, joy this morning, and love. So this morning, joy. What's the joy of Advent? What's the joy of the gospel? We could, we, may, we might not even need any more candles. You know, you could say, well, hopeful people, people who open God are joyful people. People who have peace with God and peace within, they're, they're joyful people. But let's look at Isaiah 52. Because that passage depicts, de- depicts a joy spreading upon the hearing of the good news of Christ and of the receiving of, of Christ Jesus as he, as he comes. And uh, I want to look at that and climb into that. And by the grace of God, may that joy, that spreading joy be ours by faith. Father in heaven, we, we gather now and ask you to open this word to us, and really all these words to us anew. Hope in you, peace from you, joy in you, and love from you this Advent season. So open up this this. Joy to us in new measures, I pray. May we taste it and know it and sing it. And we love you and we worship you and we rejoice in you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, many of the Old Testament prophecies foretelling the coming of the Messiah have have a dual meaning. And uh, I just want to say something about that. On the one hand, the prophecies typically contain a promise of God's salvation to a particular people at a particular point in time, and whether it's speaking to a people about something that's happened in the past or foretelling something that's going to happen in the future, there's a, there's a meaning for that particular people at that particular time. In, in, in our text, the prophet describes the people of Israel having been defeated and taken captive and enslaved by their political oppressor, and Isaiah speaks hope and this prophecy to the to these captive people in this particular situation and yet on the other hand with these messianic prophecies the 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 prophecies and the promises go way beyond the ancient context to a fuller and deeper and richer salvation promised the future coming of the messiah to save and redeem 
all God's people forever. His coming to reign forever. Uh, the eternal might and, and power of God at work in this Christ who is yet to come and, and his sufferings for the sins of all God's people. I mean, those are just way over the top from any particular king who is going to come and help Israel out at a particular time in Israel. And therefore, there are these messianic prophecies about the promised coming Messiah, the once and for all king who would sit on David's throne and come and bring salvation to all God's people. So that's going on in, in this passage. Our text this morning uh, is in the context of God's judgment again being proclaimed upon the people of Israel. They're alienated from God because of their unbelief and their sin. They've been beaten down in defeat and left in ruins by their earthly enemies. The, the visual picture I get is some of the pictures coming out of Ukraine. They were conquered people, tethered by the shackles of, of slavery and bondage to their enemy. They're without hope and they're, they're faithless. They're not hoping in God such that God says to them rhetorically, this is uh, Isaiah 50 verse 2. He, he says, you people, is my hand shortened that it cannot redeem? In other words, like, are you thinking that my, hand, my power is, is so short and so weak that I can't redeem you? Is that what you're thinking? And then the other rhetorical question. Or, or that I have no power to deliver? And it seems they, they, they think that the destruction in their lives and in their city and in their nation is reflective of God's inability or God's unwillingness to act. Or worse, it could be that in their unbelief, they're beginning to think that the gods of the nations rule over their God. Typical ancient thinking. My country beats yours, it's because my God is bigger than your God. The city lies in ruins, looks hopeless, evil has triumphed, sin has won, the adversary has been victorious, the people are defeated, devoured, and destroyed. I mean, can you climb into that context? Maybe not in that same degree physically, but maybe emotionally. No joy. All the news seems to be bad. Nothing is going well. You don't see any good coming your way. Everything you try doesn't work. You're your own worst enemy, defeated by your own sin and unbelief, defeated by Satan, trapped in this box, unable to escape. And you can't see how this is going to get any better. And you certainly can't rejoice. Does God see? Does God care? Is he able? 
I think all of us have been there, and some of us are there right now. On the deepest spiritual level, we're there, and even more so, apart from the grace of the advent, the coming of Christ Jesus, our Savior. Our sins have severed us from the eternal joys that are ours in God and our misery and joylessness would last forever apart from his intervention. So now Isaiah 52 comes in. And I can put what I see in our text in a phrase. Let me say it here. I'll say it a few times as well. We rejoice. And sing because our God reigns, number one, and has come in the person of Christ, number two, to save us, number three. Those are my three points. Rejoice and sing because your God reigns. Rejoice and sing because your God has come. Rejoice and sing because your God saves. So all reasons for rejoicing. Let's, let's climb into it and, uh, and really ask God to give us grace to rejoice as he unfolds the, the promises of the gospel here in Isaiah 52. Number one, rejoice and sing because your God reigns. From, from verse six, the message is from the Lord himself that this messenger is carrying. And he explains in verse 6 why he's doing it this way. He's sending a messenger. God's own message is coming through this message that's coming up running over the mountains. Verse 6, Therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore in that day they shall know that it is I who speak. Here I am. In in other words, the the message coming is, is, is done in this way that this message is proclaimed such that everybody knows this is from God. It's God speaking to us. Verse 7, what's the message? How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. So there's the vision. This, this messenger, this is how uh, communication happened. Messengers were sent on foot in ancient times with swift runners, probably very healthy people. And uh, this is how news spread. And, you know, think of it. I mean, there, there's two kinds of news, at least. There's good news and there's bad news. And, and bad news might c- communicate defeat or devastation. And it, it, some of those messengers carrying bad news would get killed. And I assume they would have a certain uh, countenance, presentation, I mean, you maybe have been in situations where somebody's coming up to you with really bad news. I have. And I've been a bearer of bad news. And you can see it. Like, I wear it. You can see it coming. 
Well, this is good news. And the point here is you can see it coming. This is beautiful. This is, this is this happy messenger coming. He has got good news. And that's the picture here. Beautiful news. And, and you know, I wonder... You know, if I were to ask you, like, what do you think is this news that is causing this messenger to come quickly and and wear this happiness as he comes to deliver this message? What do you think the Advent message is? Three words. Your God reigns. Isn't that interesting? Your God reigns. Your God is sovereign and he's king. I just, I mean, that landed on me. I thought, I'm not sure I would have said that first. I maybe would have said it second. <laughs> Your God reigns is the news. Your God reigns. He reigns over all gods. He reigns over all enemies. He reigns over all your foes. He is your God. He reigns over all evil forces. He reigns over you. He reigns over your life. He reigns over your sins. He reigns over all. And since he reigns, your God triumphs over all. Your God is victorious over all. Your God wins. That's the news. Your God wins. Your God reigns. And he reigns for the glory of his name. And he reigns for you. He's your God. He reigns for the good of his his people in Christ. You know, some, some people are uncomfortable with the sovereignty of God over all things. Not Isaiah. At all. Not the Bible. Here's the good news. Your God is sovereign. Rejoice. That's great. The the parallel prophecy of similar images is in Isaiah 40. And it describes the reign of God in these three helpful specifics. This is Isaiah 40, verse 10. Behold, the Lord your God comes with might and, with, and his arm rules. There it is. He's coming with power to do all that he pleases. His, his you know, the, it's a metaphor. His, his arm, his arm rules. He's coming with power and might. And behold, his reward is with him. He's, he's coming with reward for his people, the fullness of his kingdom for his people in his victory, in his triumph, in his reign. And then the third phrase in that text is, and he's coming with his recompense before him. His recompense. In other words, he's coming with justice for his adversaries. Every wrong will meet his justice. His adversaries will receive his punishment and his People who are in Christ will have been spared his punishment, spared his wrath because Christ took his, uh, took our punishment, took his wrath 
upon himself for us and we will receive his mercy. He reigns. <laughs> the good news. So rejoice and sing because your God reigns. He reigns for the glory of his name. He reigns for the good of his people. If you have been united with Christ by faith, he reigned for your good. Rejoice! Amen. Number two. Rejoice and sing because your God has come. You can smell Advent all over this one. (laughs) Rejoice and sing for your God has come. Verse 8 speaks of the watchman standing as it were on the walls, broken down walls of Jerusalem, seeing the coming of this messenger with a message from the Lord and the, and the watchmen break out into song. Verse uh, 8. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Our God will himself come. He will come to this this defeated people in this broken down city, Zion, Jerusalem. And people will see him with their very own eyes. See the eye to eye they see. And the parallel prophecy in Isaiah 40 announces the good news this way. I've always enjoyed this one. What's the good news in the prophecy of Isaiah 40? Behold your God. See your God. (laughs) That's the good news in Isaiah 40. He has come to be seen, to be known, that you may behold him and worship him. This is point number two. Rejoice in seeing because your God has come. This is what the Advent prophecies are all about, aren't they? Born of the Virgin Mary, quote, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God has come in the person of Christ. The Apostle John puts it this way, the Word became flesh, the Word being the Son of God, eternally with God from the beginning. The Word, Christ, Jesus, took on flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as of the one and only from the Father, full of grace and truth. And He lived His perfect life, and He taught, and People heard him and it's written down in the, in the Bible by the apostles and he announced forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God and healing and victory over death and he laid down his life for us. And he took up his own life and was resurrected from the dead to reign forever. He came So rejoice and sing because your God has come. 
to be seen and to be known by you and by all his people. You know, if the first point in this message suggests that God is, that Christ is high and lifted up, your God reigns. He reigns over all with all authority in heaven and on earth. And this point that he comes counterbalances that with he's near. He's close. Eye to eye. We've seen him. He's near to be known and loved. Here by his spirit right now. Awaiting the day when he gathers us to himself again. Point number three. Rejoice and sing because your God saves. The news of his reign and his coming is good news because he's come to save. I mean, he hasn't just come to reign, like forget about you people. He hasn't just come to you know, arrive and look around like a tourist or something. No, he, he reigns and he has come to save. It's that conspiracy makes for good news. He's come for us. Verse 7, Isaiah 52. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes, here's the salvation that I see, peace. Who brings good news of happiness and who publishes salvation. Those are all saving words. It's, it's news of peace. It's good news of peace. We talked about this last week. It was alluded to the week before as well. Prince of Peace. Life under God's reign. He's come to save us by bringing us his peace. Life under his reign. The shalom where everything is right. He's come to bring us his... This next phrase. The good news of happiness. It's interesting. That's one word in Hebrew. It's like the news of good happiness. Good happiness, happy goodness. <laughs> the news of, of good happiness. It's this, uh, this news of the life that is in God's presence and under his reign and saving power that is good and satisfying and joyful. It's like the good that, that God announced at the creation when there was no sin in it. It's good, it's beautiful, it's joyful. Everything's beautiful and right and satisfying and it's news of salvation that's a that's a redemption word that's a slavery kind of word it's news of salvation from captivity freedom from bondage freedom from enslavement to sin and its penalty and its power that's the news (laughs) so interestingly you know here Your God reigns, and he comes, and he comes to Jerusalem to save. And Jesus, when he was on earth, and this is all coming true, he's heading to Jerusalem for the first time publicly. And on the way to the city, he kind of tells his disciples, like, 
Look, brothers, this arrival in Jerusalem is not going to look like you imagined that it would. He's coming to Jerusalem. People are going to see him eye to eye. Here's what Jesus says to prepare them. This is Matthew 20, 18. He says, see, we are going to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified and he will be raised on the third day. So there's the final scene, or almost the final scene. It is the final scene of the first advent. Jesus came, born of a virgin, took on human flesh, lived, loved, healed, preached, taught, and he gave his life as a ransom for many. And having accomplished our salvation, on the third day he rose and is now seated at the right hand of God forever, reigning as your Christ, your God, forever and ever. It's come true. It's all true. This is the Advent picture. And we do await for Christ's second advent, his second coming, when he will return and fully establish the kingdom in all its fullness and sin and death and the devil will be no more and we will live forever in his presence, him with us and us with him. And in his presence will be fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore in the new heavens and the new earth. That's coming. And we live in this in-between time where it's all ready. Our God reigns. He's come. He's come to save us by his death and resurrection even as we await his second coming. So we Christians have reason to be the most joyful people on the planet. We rejoice and sing because our God reigns and he has come in the person of Christ to save us and to bring us into his peace and into his joy and into his, his presence now and forever. I'm going to close with this picture. The, did you notice in the text how this joy, this gospel joy spreads? I mean, the messenger doesn't keep it to himself. The watchmen, they don't keep it to themselves. It's just going everywhere. The watchmen lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. <laughs> the, the great news, this good news of great joy cannot be contained. You know, it's like the, the, the angels at the birth of Christ where the good news of great joy gets <laughs> with the multitude of angels singing. <laughs> It's, it is spread from God into the, 
through, into the prophets and, and through the angels and into Christ's announcement of the good news. He's come that we might have, that, our, our, that he might have, that we might have his joy to the full. And this joy has spread to the apostles and, and through the ages to you and me. It's, it, you get this, it's a joy that's not boxed up or contained. And in fact, in Romans 10, Paul cites this text about the good news and the messenger to explain the spread of the gospel. Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the gospel of Christ and where the gospel of Christ goes and people believe. I'm saying, well, that's how joy spreads. As gospel goes forth, gospel joy chases the gospel as more and more people believe. Did you notice this? In verse 9, the, this, this joy in the promised coming of Christ is so unstoppable that the desert around Jerusalem sings. <laughs> verse 9. Break forth into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem, <laughs> for the Lord has comforted his people and he has redeemed Jerusalem. You, you ever wonder where wild fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy? Everybody's singing. <laughs> In the end of the passage, this is the joy of Advent. So, I'll say it again. Rejoice and sing. Now and forever, our God reigns. And he has come in the person of Christ Jesus to save us and bring us into his peace and his joy and his salvation forever and ever and ever. Starting now and for all eternity. Let me pray. Father in heaven. Thank you so much for your word to us. I do pray that in this spreading dynamic of your joy, this gospel joy, that you would fill us. Those of us who know your joy, I pray for more. Fill us with gospel joy, joy in you all the more. And for those who don't know this joy, I pray for the gift of faith upon the hearing of your word, that upon the gift of faith and believing, they too might be brought into this fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. So make it so for the glory of your name and for our good and for the good of the world, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church or write us at 720 13th Avenue South, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55415. Bethlehem Baptist Church, 
spreading the passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples, through Jesus Christ.